one of the most hacked elements for small business owners is social media. And as I said at the start, that can be something that people, you know, really, really are scared of and fearful of, but yet at the same time, they haven't set these things up. So it's like, okay, well, instead of worrying about it so much, let's be solution focused and figure out how we can do our best to protect. Now, I'm not saying this is perfect by any means and that it's absolutely hacker-free or hacker-guaranteed to be free, but I think that, you know, give yourself the best shot. Do you love your life as a small business owner? Let's be real. Sometimes we just don't. It's my hope that this, the My Daily Business podcast, helps you regain a little of that lost love through practical, actionable tips, tools, and tactics, interviews with creative and curious small business owners, and in-depth coaching episodes with me, your host, Fiona Kalaki. With more than 20 years experience in marketing, brand, content, and systems, and having now helped thousands of small business owners, I know what it takes to build a business that you can be proud of and that actually aligns with your values, your beliefs, and your hopes for the future. So much of our daily life is spent working on and in the businesses and the brands that we are creating. And so it makes sense to actually love what you do. So let's get into this podcast and help you figure out how to love your business and your life on the daily. Hello and welcome to episode 364 of the My Daily Business podcast. Today it is a coaching episode and if you've ever worried about getting hacked or somebody getting into your data, then this is absolutely the episode for you. Before we get stuck in, I want to acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians on the beautiful land on which I record this podcast and that is the Warong and Rundri people of the Kulin Nation and I pay my respects to their elders past and present and acknowledge that sovereignty has never been ceded. The other thing is that we are getting into the end of the year. This is where people buy a lot of gifts. They send things, they do things. One, I would suggest really think about who you are supporting when you are sending gifts and how you might contribute to making the world a better place. And, you know, really looking at ethical manufacturing and where things are coming from and also how you might even collaborate with somebody who maybe you haven't before on a Christmas gift or an end of year gift or a Hanukkah gift or any of those sorts of things. The other thing is in that, if you are looking for a gift for business owners, we of course offer a bunch of things on our shop. So you can find all of that at mydailybusiness.com forward slash shop. And if you want to buy something for somebody else, like a coaching episode, coaching episode, (laughs) coaching session, then you can't buy a coaching episode right now. Who knows in the future, maybe we'll monetize this podcast, but alas, coming back to gifts, if you want to buy something for your significant other or a friend and you want to keep it a bit of a secret, then you can just email us hello at mydailybusiness.com. We can organize that for you and then send it out, all the information to that person once it is closer to whatever the date is that you're giving them a gift. And that goes all year round, not just at this time of year. All right, let's get into today's coaching episode. So I wanted to start this episode by relaying a story of what happened to me gosh, how long ago would this have been? Maybe like five years ago now. So I was in another state in Australia for a speaking gig and I was there and I had been put up in a nice hotel and all the things and it was really lovely. And I had a couple of hours to myself after one of the speaking gigs and before this sort of dinner and things that they'd put on. And so I decided that since my hotel was smack bang in the middle of this beautiful shopping area in one of our capital cities here in Australia that I would go and have a bit of a look around the shops. I have two young children, so it's 
very often that if I'm at the shops, they are also with me. And anyone who knows that knows that it's not necessarily the most enjoyable, pleasurable experience to just wander around having a look at things when you have children that are like, can I get a monster truck? Can I get this? Can I get that? I need to go to the toilet. All the things. Anyway, so I thought I'm interstate. I'm by myself. I'm going to go and have a look at some of these shops. And so I went into one of the biggest department stores here in Australia, which is called David Jones. And I was looking around at bags. I love bags. I used to work at a bags company and I just love them. I I have way too many of them to be honest and not like super fancy. I just really like, I don't know, just interesting, cool bags. Anyway, I was looking around and I found this bag. Now this bag was in my absolute favorite color combination, which is pink and red, always has been hashtag pink and red forever. And I saw this bag and I was like, oh, this is perfect. And it was the last one. And so I was like, oh my goodness, should I buy it? Should I not? Should I buy it? Should I not? And I was umming and ahhing because it was a little bit like scuffed because it was the last one. It had been sitting there. I think it was like a display model. And I was like, really? Oh, you know, if I'm going to get it, I'd rather get it new so that it doesn't have these little marks on it. Anyway, I thought about it and I was like, you know what? I'm here for another day. I have to stay overnight. So I'm here tomorrow. And if I really cannot stop thinking about it, then I will go back and get it. And that happened. And so I stayed, you know, at the hotel and I kept thinking about it, kept thinking about it. And then I thought, no, but I don't want to buy it at that price when it's got all these scuff marks on it. So what did I do? I go to the internet and I was like, okay, I know the make, I know the model, I know the brand, etc. So I looked it up and I could not find it anywhere. It took me ages and ages. I was trying to find it, trying to find it. And I was in the back of this Uber, I remember, and I was like, okay, I'm going to give it one last shot. And I looked for it and I found the exact bag on this Italian e-commerce website. And I was like, oh my God, because it was even cheaper than it had been on this sale in David Jones because it was the last one in stock. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is it. It's all meant to me. And I was literally going through it. I was like, okay, this exact same bag, you know, the website looks great. And I put it into my cart and I got my credit card out in the back of the taxi. And I was literally about to plug in my numbers into this platform when I thought, let me just check because whilst this platform looked legit, it had, I mean, there are lots of different ways to try and check if a platform's legit, but it it really did look like a proper website. It had hundreds of products, you know, it had really good footers, privacy notices, shipping information, like a lot of good stuff that I would be like, okay, now I've worked in e-commerce for, gosh, probably now 15 years. I've worked with lots of e-commerce brands. I worked at Amazon. I headed up their kitchen and home team in the UK. I worked for them again in in Australia. I've worked for huge companies where a bulk of their money is coming from e-commerce or or in the case of Amazon, all of it is coming from e-commerce. And I understand all the different things that go on in an e-commerce shop. So I feel like I'm pretty tech savvy. But something about this website, I just thought, you know what, before I put my credit card details in, I'm just going to check. And so I typed in, in Google, the brand name of this website and then scam, because that's what I often look at. It's a very simple way to have a look at things. And I looked it up and there was so many comments and so many forums about never buy from this. It's a complete scam. All of it's made up. You will never get your money back blah, 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 blah. I just went through, you know, page after page after page. And I thought, oh my God, I literally was about to hand over hundreds of dollars. And just that split second of thinking, let me check. Now, how has that got to do with today's podcast episode? Well, today I wanted to go through kind of five or six ways that you can help yourself 
not get scammed, but also as a small business owner, that you can help yourself not get hacked. Now, I'm not saying this is absolute guarantee. And I always feel a bit weird whenever I do these episodes about getting hacked because I feel like there's like hackers out there waiting to be like, I'm going to take you down. Please don't, please don't. And so today though, I just wanted to go through kind of ways that you can really think about your own security in your digital footprint as both, you know, an individual, but also as a business, because I've seen that many businesses build their whole marketing on Instagram. And, you know, I love, hate that relationship with social media, but I've seen so many people build everything on a social media platform only for them to get hacked and not be able to retrieve any of the information, especially things like photos or things that, you know, they'd taken videos of of site visits or other things that are really important to them and would be really great for like case studies on a website or other marketing that they could do off social media. But because a lot of the time people are still only creating content within the app itself and then not saving that to a camera roll or anywhere else and definitely not downloading their data that they then lose everything or feel that they've lost everything if they are hacked. So let's talk about scams, hacking, all the things. I'm going to go through kind of five things that, or five tips that may help you in this, but I would also say do your research. Like me in the back of that taxi, if it felt a little bit like, oh, this is a bit too good to be true, it's cheaper, just all of these things. I was like, how have I been able to find this bag there when I couldn't find it anywhere else? It felt like it was completely sold out. It was completely unstocked everywhere. And then suddenly I find it and it's cheaper than everywhere else. Like it just felt a little strange, but also that simple Google search. And I think people don't do that enough. Like you can put in anyone's name and scam, any course and scam, any, you know, reviews. And there's so many review sites now. And I get that also you've got to be kind of conscious of that, especially if you're looking at a service provider or in some cases like a venue or anything else, because I do feel like it's skewed because if you have a pretty decent experience, a lot of people don't bother leaving a review. If you have a really horrible experience, then you will be more inclined to leave a review. So take that as you're looking at reviews, but there's so much out there. That's what I'm trying to say. There's so much out there for us to be able to access this information before purchasing from a website. So if you feel even even the slightest bit of like, let me double check this, go and have a look and see if it's legit. The other thing I often always will have a look at is whether they have a social media presence. You see so many ads for things online and a lot of them I get are coming out straight from a factory in China or somewhere else. And they don't necessarily have a social media presence for every single brand that they're trying to sell you on say meta ads. But sometimes just looking at that and going, okay, sorry, I'm just getting sidetracked here. But another thing I would look at is the social media presence for people as well. So I have found, I do a lot of shopping on Facebook Marketplace and I sell a lot of stuff on Facebook Marketplace. I am all about recycle and wherever I can, I will try and buy secondhand, whether it's an op shop or Facebook Marketplace or Gumtree or whatever. And one thing that I've noticed is that when you try and buy things from Facebook Marketplace lately, there's so many scammers. But the other big thing is a lot of people I talk to who do this, they don't go to the profile of the person that they're buying from before they start messaging. So if you do that, you'll see that a lot of the time these people just joined Facebook in 2021, 2022, 2023. I mean, that is a gigantic flag. I don't really feel like the uptake of Facebook as a platform is that huge. And I feel like a lot of people have been on it since 2008, 2011, 2012, early teens in the 2000s. That looks legit. If somebody has just joined Facebook in the last 12 months, that to me is a gigantic red flag. Also, if they, you know, have very few friends, if not only like eight or six friends, that's an obvious 
red flag as well. And so there's lots of things. That's what I'm saying. I'm kind of rambling here, but there's a lot of ways to check stuff before you buy as an individual. But as a business, what are some of the ways that you can you know, create security for yourself when you are using these different platforms. So you're using social media for your business or you're using your website or you're using some sort of pay app or checkout, point of sale, whatever it is, analytics. There are so many ways that you can protect yourself now. And so here are six of them. So the first one is authenticator apps. Now, if you have never heard of this before, what does it mean? Well, it basically authenticates or verifies that you are the right person when you're logging into something. So instead of you just using your name or email and then a password, there's an extra step involved. And so with an authenticator app, you can set up an extra step for every platform that you use, basically. So you would get an authenticator app, you would get that on your phone. And so you can download them. Google has one of the biggest ones, the Google authenticator app. I mean, but lots of people, I get, hate Google or don't want to support Google. There are other authenticator apps that you can you can download. And then you set it up. So let's say you use Shopify for your business. You may go, you know what, I want to have a third party kind of authenticator app involved in this process when I log in so that you know it's definitely me. What would happen is that you would open up the authenticator app on your phone usually once you click on Shopify, I want to do this, it will give you a QR code to use on the Authenticator app or vice versa. And then you basically, once you've put that in, it's set up. And it just means that instead of you just putting in a name and password, it will then ask you for another step, which is to go to your Authenticator app, look for that particular platform that you've set up. So Shopify in this case, and it will give you a number. Now that number, that code changes every few seconds. So you're putting it in and once you put it in, then it unlocks the whole thing. But without that authenticator app or that authenticator code rather, it won't open. So it can be frustrating sometimes. Say for example, if you have the authenticator app on your phone and you're trying to do something on a desktop and maybe your phone is, I don't know, you're entertaining the kids, it's with the kids or it's in the car or it's somebody somewhere else you cannot actually access it without that authenticator app once you have set it up. So it's important that if you're doing this, that you keep your phone around or, I mean, really the big like stress of having to go and walk a few minutes and get your phone and come back is so much less than the stress of somebody hacking into, in this case, your Shopify account. So that is the first one, authenticator apps. And as I said, there are so many around. Google is one of the biggest ones. There is also... Microsoft Authenticator, there's one called Authy, there is Duo Mobile, there's Two-Factor, 2FA, which is Two-Factor Authentication. I mean, there's a bunch of them, but I would say that Google and Microsoft have the, the biggest ones that are out there or the most common, I would imagine. And so that is a really handy thing to set up. I have a Authenticator app on my phone and I have basically every single tool that we use in the business. I have that set up. Now, if you have staff, sometimes this can be frustrating because they need to ask you for the number. It depends how you set all of that up. So in my business, sometimes my assistant will need to message me and be like, hey, I'm trying to get into this and I need it. And that's fine. Again, yes, it takes a little bit longer and sometimes I may not be available right that second. But overall, I'd rather be doing that and spend extra minutes when I'm trying to log in than potentially, you know, get hacked and and then have to deal with all of that. So that is the first one, Authenticator apps, and I would absolutely suggest those if you are not already using them. The second, which sounds similar and kind of can be set up, but not necessarily with an Authenticator app, you can have different ways to authenticate things, and that is two-step verification. So 
as I've just mentioned, you know, the two-step, sometimes three-step verification process is something that I use on basically every tool in my business. But one of the most hacked elements for small business owners is social media. And as I said at the start, that can be something that people, you know, really, really are scared of and fearful of, but yet at the same time, they haven't set these things up. So it's like, okay, well, instead of worrying about it so much, let's be solution focused and figure out how we can do our best to protect. Now, I'm not saying this is perfect by any means and that it's absolutely hacker free or hacker guarantee to be free, but I think that, you know, give yourself the best shot. So if you are again on say social media and you have different accounts that you set up, you literally, instead of signing into the app, you can be prompted to add more information. Now, sometimes that might be an authenticator code from an authenticator app, as I've just mentioned, like a bunch of numbers, but it could also be, you know, that you need to go to your email and click something. It could be that you're going to get a message sent to your phone number and you need to, you know, enter that message in, but set these things up. So whether it's, you know, the Google Authenticator is one way of doing that, but there are other ways to verify things as well. So one way that you can do is to literally like if you go into an app like Instagram, you can go to your profile, then settings, then security, then two-factor authentication, and then additional methods. And so you can put that firstly, just make sure that two-factor authentication is actually turned on, but then figure out which are the methods that you want to actually then verify this and what is that second or third step going to be. So in some cases, yes, it can be an authenticator app. In some cases, it could be something else. So I know with my parents who have both passed away, unfortunately, when they were getting older, I was there, I was basically their authenticator app. And so if my dad ever logged himself out of different accounts or banking or anything else like that, it would send me a text. There was no point sending my dad a text because <laughs> he didn't always know where his phone was, but also it just, it was like he wouldn't have been able to necessarily do all of that. So it was easier for me to actually phone him and be like, hey, dad, are you trying to get into this or that on your iPad? And he'd be like, yes. And I'd be like, okay, here's the number that's come through or here's this that you need to do. And so I could walk him through that over the phone, which was easier for him in some respects for than him having to do all of that himself. So it could also be something that you set up for loved ones or elderly people in your life that will help them as well. Because particularly, you know, hackers do try and target, I mean, they try and target everyone, but I think in particular, older people who maybe aren't as tech savvy as other people. I know that's a generalization. There's lots of older people who are, but yeah, I just think that can help. So that's the second one, two-step verification. The third, and this is something that again, I can't believe in 2023, I'm recording this at the very end of 2023. So almost 2024, people don't realize that this exists and that is social media data download. So this is a really easy and impactful step. And again, I've done a whole episode just on how to download your data from social media, but I'm going to go through it again now as well. And this is because I just think that so many people are using social media all the time and they're in the apps and they're uploading photos and, and it could be personal photos as well. It could be like your kids, family, dog, meals, whatever that you want to keep, but you're not actually saving them to your camera roll. And I get it that sometimes you don't want to save every single thing because it clogs up your data and storage, but it just feels like that the big guns at social media platforms don't actually promote the fact that you basically own that content and you are licensing it to these platforms. And that's if you look at the fine print for when you actually sign up to these or when they change their agreement processes, you will see that 
you're basically licensing them to use all of your content. But because of that, they also need to give you a way to download all of that content out of that platform, not necessarily out of it, but download it for yourself. And so that is all your photos, your information, contacts, and contacts, I don't think it gives you actual details, but it gives you like the, the handle for people that follow you, people you follow, messages. I mean, you can choose what you download, but particularly photos and videos, I think they're so important. And I had a client years and years ago who came to a workshop and she had built her whole business on social media and she was devastated because it got, it did get hacked. And I think she lost like 32,000 followers or around 35 or something like that. But the main thing was that all of her photos were taken in the app and that they were stored in the app. And so they weren't being transferred into a hard drive or anything else for repurposing. Now, I always talk about how social media is kind of down the bottom when you look at your marketing strategy and not down the bottom, but as in you want to have your content first and then distribution and connection channels. And social media is one of those. So, you know, if you're creating content and I get that you want to create it in the app sometimes, but then download that, save it somewhere because you might want to repurpose that on your point of sale, on your product detail page, on your checkout, on anything else that you're doing, case studies. So don't leave all of your content in social media. But to get back to the point of downloading, so you can do this literally by going into your social media account. So again, I'm using Instagram as an example. You go into your Instagram profile, you go to settings, then security, then data and history, download data. And then you put your email address in. So literally you go through that. It'll ask you for an email. It'll say, once you hit submit, I think it's submit or, you know, whatever the button is, it'll then say, this is now being processed. It may take a little while. I think it can take up to two days for them to then send you a link. It's kind of like WeTransfer if anyone's used that or, you know, Dropbox or something. It sends you then a link to then download all of that stuff onto your own hard drive. And it's quite a large file. And I think it only, it, it expires pretty soon after that. I think once they send you the link, you've got like four days to download it before they just get rid of it, I guess. And on Facebook, the same sort of thing. You log in, you go to profile picture, you go settings and privacy, your Facebook information, then download your information and then click view. And you do need to answer some questions. So again, you need to put your email address in. I think you also need to click like create file or something like that, but it's pretty simple and it walks you through the exact steps. But both of these do take a while. So you don't get instant download and you do have to look out for an email in the next couple of days to say your Facebook you know, data is now available or your Instagram data is now available to download. And then what I do is download them every couple of months. I think it's every four months. I just have a reminder in my calendar to do it and it takes two minutes. And then I put it onto a hard drive. Now, I get that there's hard drives that just sit there and never actually get used again, but I'd rather have that as like a backup than potentially lose everything and be like, oh my goodness, look at all those photos, especially my personal photos, I would say, of my kids and, you know, them growing up because I'm a mum. I'm like everyone else, you know, you snap photos, you put them on your Instagram. I have a private Instagram for that. And then it's like, oh, that's such a good photo or that was beautiful light or whatever. And then you haven't haven't got them anywhere. So if you're not already saving them to your camera roll, then this is another way to get that, but also get other information like messages and other information that you may not have access to if somebody suddenly hacks your account. So that is the third one, social media data download. The fourth one, and I think this is really important, especially if you're changing staff or you have like remote workers or you have people that kind of contract people come in and out, especially if they're looking after your content, your social media, your marketing, and that is Apple's safety check. Now, again, I'm coming at this from using an iPhone. I've always been like an Apple person. I mean, I get it. 
that they just like trap us. But the Apple safety check. So they may well have something similar on an Android. And this was introduced in 2022 by Apple. And it really is there to help you identify who has access to your stuff. So it could be that at some point you gave somebody access to your notes on your phone, or you gave them access to certain apps on your phone, or you gave them access to your photos or your contacts or something else. And I found that when I went through this the first time, I was like, oh my God, I completely forgot about this contractor that had worked for me like years ago that still had access to a couple of things on my phone. And I was like, oh my God, or just, just apps really. And so you log in and to actually find it. So you can find it on an iPhone or iPad. You go to settings, privacy and security, safety check. Now in there, you can see firstly, which people have access to your apps, your photos, your location settings. Sometimes that is turned on and you didn't realize that it was turned on. So again, I gave access to that. I think God, in 2015 to one of my friends because I had gone to visit in New York and I think I gave them access because I was trying to find them and they were trying to find me, whatever, and didn't realize that I just left that on. So, I mean, it's fine. We're like really good friends. But yeah, I was just like, oh, okay. I didn't realize that that person like has complete access to my location at all times. So that's the first one. You can see people that have access to your apps, photos, location, etc. And then The second one, which is also important, is to which apps you have let have access to things like your camera, your microphone, your location. And then the third thing that it shows you is which devices have access to your Apple account. Now, this is really important, especially if you've like sold your phone or given your phone to like a family member or a friend who's child is coming up to that age and you're like, oh, instead of trading it in, I'm just going to, you know, say that they can have my old phone. And we don't realize that these things still have access to our Apple account or, you know, other things that we, that we have given them access to. So it's one, the people that have access to your apps, phone, photos, location, etc. The second is which apps that you've actually let have access to things like your camera, your microphone, your location. And then finally, the third one is which devices have access to your Apple account. So if you're on an iPhone or iPad, like I said, you can go to settings, privacy and security, safety check, and then you work through the steps. And if you want to, you can, if you're like, oh my goodness, all these people have different access to all these different things. And I just want a clean slate. And maybe you've even shut down your business and started a different business. You can do an emergency reset, which just takes everyone's access away instantly. And so if you're using Apple products, you want to be aware of this sort of stuff. And it's so easy to give people access to things in the moment, like, oh, I'll just give you access to the note and then you'll be able to see it all. Or I'll just give you access to this app. And then you forget that you gave that person temporary access. Even not that long ago, I realized on Asana that I still had like contractors and people that I'd hired over the years that had access to one particular board that we'd been updating. And I was like, oh my God, why do they still have access to this? And so yeah, just went through and and removed them. And it was really simple. And I was like, why haven't I done that? So that is the fourth one, Apple's safety check. The fifth one, which seems really simple, but I know even I've been super guilty of this and I think about these things quite a lot, is to change your password. And I know that on Apple now, I think it shows you when you log in that all of these, you know, all of these apps have the same password or all of, you know, these logins are very similar and you might want to change it. And was it on Apple? Yeah. Or maybe it was Gmail. I I can't remember. One of them recently sent me an email saying the data hacks that have happened around the world mean that for this particular app, this particular app, this particular app, you should change your password because there's a potential that it was leaked. And so at Amazon, when I worked at Amazon, that was a good 
God, 13, 14, whatever, a long time ago. But one of the things that happened is that across the Amazon platform, you were forced to change your password every, I think it was every three weeks or every four weeks. And it used to get really annoying because I just remember being like, oh, I have to think of something else. And whenever you put it in, it was like, no, you used that password three passwords ago, so you cannot use it. It's like, oh, what I took to doing was... I remember we had this floor of like three teams. It was myself with the home home and garden kitchen team. Then we, no, home kitchen team. And then we had the garden team and then we had the toys team. And so there was about 40 people, I would say, on that floor. And what I did was I literally started down the bottom and I was like, let's say the guy's name was Ryan. I was like, Ryan underscore password. That was my password. Then it was like, okay, next month, who's sitting next to Ryan? Dan underscore password. And I just went through the whole office because that was an easier way for me to remember. And I put a post-it note to say like Dan, like I'd be up to Dan. So I'd be like, okay, Marie sits next to Dan, Marie underscore password. Anyway, probably not a great way to do a password, but I mean, Amazon is a gigantic company that, you know, I do remember it did, I don't know if it got hacked, but it shut down for like 10 minutes in the UK. Something happened and it wasn't working and there was millions lost in revenue in that short amount of time. So obviously that's a company that is really trying to make sure it doesn't get hacked. And especially now when it would have bazillions of people's details and bank details and everything. Anyway, the point is, I think we can get really complacent about either using the same password across lots of platforms or just not changing our password. And so I'd look at whether you use a platform like 1Password and LastPass, I mean, there's a lot around where you can put in all your passwords and then you just have one password to remember. It's also good if you've got remote workers to use one of those tools like LastPass or 1Password because then you don't have to give people lots of different passwords. But either way, changing your password regularly is a really important thing to get used to. So it could be that the first of the month you go, okay, it's the first of the month. I have to change my passwords. And I get it's really difficult. We have so many things to remember, which is why a platform like LastPass or 1Password can really help because it just gives you one thing to have to remember across all of these. Again, I don't know. Sometimes though you think, is that going to get hacked? And then I'm stuffed again. So it's just, yeah. I'm not really sure. I did see somebody, actually one, a lovely person who did group coaching a while ago suggested that if you're looking at passwords, you should just use like the company, like let's say Shopify. So you'd be Shopify underscore and then whatever the password is. So you could use the same password, like rocks are cool. So Shopify underscore rocks are cool. And then if you were using a bank, you'd be like bank underscore rocks are cool. So really the password is kind of the same, but you just use like the name of the brand or the platform that you're logging into and an underscore and then the normal password. Again, I'm not I'm not a cybersecurity person, so I don't know if that's better or worse or whatever. The point is, think about your passwords and when you're going to change them and change them regularly. So that's number five. Just to recap, you've got your authenticator apps. Number two was two-step verification. Number three, social media data downloads. Number four, Apple's safety check. And number five, changing your password on the regular. Now, want to add in here just another one, which again, I've done a whole podcast episode just on this as well, but that is Apple's legacy contact. So if you, again, are using Apple products, then they do have a legacy contact. And what happens is that if you die, and let's hope you don't, but if you do, everyone will at some point, a lot of your data and information will just go to Apple. And so you don't really know how that's going to be used or where it's going to be used or if it will be used. And if you are running a business, you may well have a bunch of information on your phone or on your iPad that you don't want to just be out there in the ether. And so what you can do is you can assign a contact to receive 
an ability to log into everything that was related to your Apple products. So within basically your Apple ID. And so that is your Apple legacy contact. So that could be your significant other. It could be a family member. It could be a business partner, whatever it is. And by setting them up, all Apple does is then send you a QR code. You can print that out or put it in with your will or you know, and you should definitely have a will. We will definitely be doing an episode on that. But you can put that in to make sure that when you do die, that somebody else is able to go through the things that they absolutely need to. As somebody who has lost both of my parents, as well as other incredibly wonderful family members, it's really hard to be in the grief process, but also be going through the paperwork and having to do the really tedious things like shut down bank accounts and do other things. So I just think Whatever you can do to lessen that on the people that are left behind is really, really important. So that is Apple's legacy contact, just another little bonus thing in there that may well help your security. You just go to settings, sign in and security, and then legacy contact. And now they need to be a contact in your phone. They don't necessarily have to have an Apple ID, but they have to have like a phone number so that they can be added as a contact into the phone. So we will link to all of the things that I've just mentioned and have all of this in text format on the show notes for this episode, which you can find over at mydailybusiness.com forward slash podcast forward slash 364. And I really hope that everyone has a really wonderful end to the year without hackers, without any kind of security issues. But I would also suggest that the things that I've talked about today might take 10 minutes to set up or do, and they could very well have a huge impact on how secure your business and your personal data is. So that is it for today's coaching episode. If you found it useful, I would love, 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 love if you could take two seconds and leave a review. It really, really helps us get found. I know that lots of people start thinking about starting a business or how to better their business around about this time for the following year. And if you can leave us a review, it just helps other people find this podcast and maybe there's something in here that is really going to help them and it'll help us too. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to the My Daily Business Podcast. For a range of tools to help you grow and start your business, including coaching programs, courses, and templates, check out our shop at mydailybusiness.com forward slash shop. And if you want to get in touch, you can do that via email, hello at mydailybusiness.com, or you can hit us up on Instagram at mydailybusiness underscore. You can find us on TikTok at mydailybusiness or find me, Fiona Kalaki, on LinkedIn. I look forward to connecting.